the goal that was set when we passed it was unemployment wouldn't rise past eight and a half percent. And what we see now is businesses just aren't hiring. Even the best projections have us losing 750,000 more jobs this year. Welcome to NPR's Planet Money. I'm David Kestenbaum in Washington, D.C. And I'm Hannah Joffe-Walt in Seattle. Today is Monday, July 13th, and that was Congressman Eric Cantor from Virginia you heard at the top. He was talking about the Obama administration's stimulus package on Fox News Sunday, and we will have so much more to say about the stimulus and talk of a second stimulus in the show today. First, our Planet Money indicator. David, serve it up. All right, fat face, it is the number three. <laughs> I thought we were done with the fat face thing, Kestenbaum. Not yet. All right, three. Three, that is three welding courses that are being offered at the Lower Columbia Community College in southwestern Washington state. So normally, summer quarter rolls around, and the LCCC offers one sleepy summer course in welding. That is not the case this summer. The instructor there tells me so many students showed up day one, they are now offering three courses. So they're all the, the welding shop is totally full. In fact, the college is totally full. Enrollment this summer is up 40% compared to last summer. And this is actually happening all across the country. Community college enrollment is way up. And funding, unfortunately, is going in the opposite direction. State and local legislatures are trying to close deep deficits, and they are slashing community college funding. Yeah, and this is something President Obama will be talking about tomorrow in Michigan. The expectation is that he'll announce a bunch of federal money to go to community colleges. So the community college world is all a Twitter about how much they may get. People are crossing their fingers at the figure. David, will start with a B. Bazillion? We know about bazillions here at Planet Money, David. They, they're talking about billions, billions. Oh, that's too bad. All right. Well, speaking of, of billions, uh, I just got back from vacation. It seems like everywhere you turn, there are people talking about a second stimulus package. I don't really know where this came from, but literally you changed the TV channel and there's someone else talking about it. So here are some of those people. Others believed that the recovery plan should have been even larger, and they're already calling for a second recovery plan. But as I made clear at the time it was passed... The Recovery Act was not designed to work in four months. It was designed to work over two years. Why in the world there would be any conclusion reached after looking at the results of the first stimulus that the way to deal with that is to pass yet another one is uh, mind-boggling. There's a lot going on, George, and I think it's premature to make the judgment. So no second stimulus? No, I didn't say that. I think it's premature to make that judgment. This This was set up to spend out over 18 months. They're going to be major programs. Do you programs. agree that it would be um, prudent for us not to issue a second stimulus package? Well, I, I, I think you may very well have to do it. So, okay. so I, I, I don't know the answer to that now. But I would say this. So far, you know, it looks like we're going to need more medicine, not less. Hmm. Now a lot of people say, uh, Warren Buffett most recently, Laura Tyson, advisor to the president, say you have to do a second stimulus because Clearly, rising unemployment uh, is, is, a, is a big concern. There's a possibility of further deflation. Do we need a second stimulus? I think all economists believe, and this was inherent to the design of the program, that the biggest thrust or force would start to take effect in the second half of this year, and we're going to start to see that happen. But I don't think that's a judgment we need to make now. Can't really make it now prudently, responsibly. Okay, that was a lot of names. I'm going to tell them to you in order. You heard 
President Obama, Republican Senator Mitch McConnell, Vice President Joe Biden. He was being interviewed by George Stephanopoulos. Warren Buffett was on Bloomberg TV. And Timothy Geithner was with CNN's Fareed Zakaria. And you you can find economists on both sides of this issue. For instance, Bruce Bartlett, he's a former Treasury Department economist from the first George Bush administration, says a second stimulus package would be a grave mistake. Yes, but Paul Krugman has argued from the beginning that the stimulus was way too small. He wanted one twice as big. So he, of course, is saying, yes, second round, please do it as quickly as possible. So now, even though... uh, just really a small amount of the $787 billion from the first round has been spent. There is all this talk of another stimulus. And normally here on Planet Money, we try to unpack things economically, but this is a case for something even messier than economic analysis, political analysis. So we called up Sean West, (laughs) U.S. policy analyst for the Eurasia Group. And West says, yes, it is being talked about, but any sort of action is still a long way away. We know the administration is thinking about it. We know that they thought about a second stimulus package the day they passed the first one. So I, I think that, that it's, it's reflective more of kind of internal thinking in the White House than of any sort of real political push, especially because most of their priorities that they need to get accomplished um, that, are, that are pressing in terms of time, like health care, um, climate change, financial regulation, that stuff has to come first. Um, so when, when we're kind of talking about a second stimulus package, we would think about something that would take months to plan and months to sort of build political support for. I mean, at the same time, Obama is out there in his weekly radio address saying basically, give it time. You know, we've spent a small fraction of it. This this was a two-year stimulus package. Uh, so why internally would they be thinking maybe we're going to need even more money? Well, I think they recognized when they passed the first package that it wasn't just a stimulus package. It was not a package that was geared towards jolting the economy immediately. It was a package that was partially geared towards jolting the economy and in a much broader way towards sort of beginning the kind of o- Obama Obama mandated reorientation of the economy structurally towards things that that the administration thinks will sort of have will have a yield for the economy in the long term. This is a much broader agenda that the administration has. And in reality, I mean, the stimulus package was more like a mini budget that he could get in this first month than it was really a stimulus package. So certainly that money will have macroeconomic effect. But, you know, even though I'm not an economist, I can't forecast what the effect will be. I can tell you the effect isn't much if the money doesn't get out the door. So, David, we want to know, will there be a second stimulus package? What does he say? He says it depends. I mean, let's put aside that pesky question of whether this is the economically smart thing to do. For the Democrats, the politics are this. They've got elections coming up in 2010. And if the economy, let's say the economy is recovering, but it's just slowly recovering, then he says there's going to be political pressure to do something to give the economy another shot in the arm. Democrats, they own they own the economy at this point. I mean, they, they own that as a political issue. It's their responsibility, fair or not. Um, so I think they have no choice but to do what it takes to jolt the economy back on track politically. And I, I guess they do have a choice, and that choice is to suffer at the polls if they don't. So even though we might see Democrats on TV saying, no way, we are not going to have a second stimulus, we still might actually get one. Yeah, he says it would be a challenge to pass one because Republicans are certainly going to oppose it. It's a no-brainer for them. They don't like government spending. And opposing the stimulus, they have loved that. That has been just this great rallying cry for them. It's one of the few issues they can all agree on and, and get upset about. And even for the Democrats, it could be a difficult call because 
if the public doesn't see this first stimulus plan as working, they're, they're not going to be eager to see part two. Sean West says he sees a couple of options for Democrats if the economy stays in this kind of malaise and it turns out they have to do something. One is you have a push for a second stimulus package, and it's called that, and it's structured to stimulate the economy. I think this is possible, and it represents a cost to the administration to ask for it, just like we discussed. The other way is that um, you know, a stimulus package is, is basically the government stepping in to spend money that consumers are not spending, right? So you can do that without calling it a stimulus package. You can do that through the budget. You can do that through other pieces of legislation. For instance, um, the unemployment benefit extension that was in the first stimulus package expires at the end of December. Well, you could not only you could not only pass that again, you could also ramp up the amount of benefits, you could extend the number of weeks that it applies for, and that would provide the same effect as the initial extension in the first stimulus package. You just don't have to call that a stimulus maneuver. You're, you're doing it because people are unemployed longer. And so, in effect, you have a choice that the administration has to make between whether it wants to fight for a second stimulus package or whether it wants to stimulate the economy um, through a host of kind of piecemeal pieces of legislation. You could call it the save the American Worker Act or something. Right, right. And it doesn't, it doesn't have to be a stimulus package. Okay, David, don't say stimulus. Yeah, don't use the S word. All right, thanks to Sean West, political analyst with the Eurasia Group. So, David, as Sean pointed out, there is economic logic and political logic, and the two are not the same thing. They seem to me often equally convoluted at times, but they're not the same. And Congress is, of course, aware of this. And that's one reason why earlier this year it created an independent commission we're going to spend the rest of the podcast here talking about. It's a commission to investigate the causes of the financial crisis, and it has no elected officials on the commission. And we here in the United States, if you're very old, maybe you remember, we had a similar commission after the Great Depression called the PCORA Commission, though that one did become quite political. We wanted to know how this new commission is set up, so Adam Davidson here at Planet Money spoke with Senator Kent Conrad, Democrat from North Dakota. Conrad sponsored the bill when it was in Congress, and he told Adam the PCORA Commission wasn't the only thing on their mind. We modeled this financial crisis commission after the 9-11 commission model. Uh, the, the view was that you really need an independent inquiry into what occurred. What are all of the events that contributed to this financial meltdown, which really brought the global financial system to the brink of collapse? What are the contributing factors? What mistakes were made? What errors were made in the banking sector and other parts of the financial system? What, what mistakes did the Congress make, the administration make? How could we prevent this from ever happening again? That's really the, the idea here, that there's an objective, independent review of what happened and how we keep it from happening ever again. So, so is this primarily going to be a record of here's what went wrong, or will this also be, and here's what should happen next to prevent the next one? Will there be explicit policy recommendations? You know, the, what the commission is charged with is examining what occurred, what went wrong, who's responsible, uh, and to issue findings. I think implicit in those findings will be recommendations as to how to avoid this again. Uh, they didn't have an explicit call for recommendation because there was a concern that that might lead to delay in doing reforms right now. Obviously, we know certain things, and we don't want to prevent the committees of jurisdiction from going forward and fixing things that can be fixed right now. Uh, 
But with that said, I think there's a clear understanding that in the findings will be uh, implicit in those findings will be recommendations on how we avoid this happening again. And by the way, this this committee also has not only subpoena power, but also is called upon uh, if they find criminal wrongdoing to send that to the Justice Department. And I personally believe they're going to find criminal wrongdoing. This is something I really struggle with in reporting this story, and, it, and it, it's something that's really hard to figure out. Frankly, I can't wait for this committee's report to come out because I think it'll be very helpful. I'm a little sad I have to wait a year and a half, but but I understand there's a lot of work to do. Uh, but But it's this fundamental question. Was this the result of a systemic crisis? That, that had huge macroeconomic um, triggers that, that you really can't point to any one or any 10 or even any thousand people and say, okay, those jerks, those criminals, they caused it. But rather a system was set up over decades and, and, and sort of – Yeah. Um, or was this the result of – a small or large number of, of criminals who who set out to enrich themselves with no care for for the impact on the rest of us. Where, where do you land on that one? You know, I believe some of both. I believe there were massive systemic failures that contributed to this. I would point to a very loose fiscal policy combined with a very loose monetary policy. Of course, fiscal po- policy under control of Congress and the administration monetary policy under control of the Federal Reserve, combined with a deregulation fervor that was responsibility of the administration and Congress. But also in the middle of it, you had people, and I don't think it's just a few, I think there were quite a few, engaged in egregious behavior, some of it criminal. I'm, I'm really struck, I want to go back and linger a minute on on the idea that, that that this to to make this a truly uh, reputable report, a, a report with with real substance, you have to take it away from Congress people. Um, that just strikes me as a very powerful thing for for a senator to say, um, and 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 a little bit depressing uh, to think <laughs> that our Congress just isn't qualified to deal with the most momentous questions of our time. No, I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm really not saying that. What I am saying is that committees of jurisdiction are very focused on the challenges they confront now, and they're very much looking forward. They really don't have the time or, frankly, the resources to engage in the kind of in-depth review of what occurred in the past. Uh, frankly, I think that would be a mistake for them to use their resources in that way. And because there are ongoing committees and there is partisan tension, uh, you don't have the same level of objectivity that you get with an independent commission that has a very specific responsibility to look back on how this financial crisis formed up, what mistakes were made, and how to avert uh, these these mistakes in the future. But at the same time, the... Congress has made up. I mean, you you won your last election, I think, three years ago. So you have a little bit of breathing room. Um, although I, I guess the breathing room isn't as much breathing room as it once was. Uh, but but you must have empathy for Congress people, senators, and and and, and House members who have to go to their voters. Um, it just doesn't. 
I, I, I wonder if if the energy of the nation looking at their elected representatives is, please just objectively find out the truth, or is it, let's burn those bankers down, I'm I'm angry, let's find scapegoats, let's find villains. That, that's got to be a huge pressure, right? I mean, when you go, when you walk around North Dakota and, and talk to constituents, are, are, you must be hearing an awful lot of anger. Absolutely. I mean, people are angry. But, you know, that is dealt with in the election process. We, we've got a higher responsibility to the American people, and that is a very dedicated forensic audit of what occurred here. Uh, what are the contributing factors? And who, who made mistakes? What institutions made mistakes? Not to point a finger of blame, uh, although if they find criminal wrongdoing, they've got an obligation to send that to the Justice Department. But more that we have a sense of what are the, what are the places where we've got to take action to prevent something like this ever happening again. And I think the American people absolutely deserve, just as we did after 9-11. You know, we've had two really dramatic uh, tragedies hit this country. 9-11, worst terrorist attack in the history of the United States, and now one of the worst financial crises in our nation's history, only topped by the Great Depression. People absolutely deserve a dedicated, objective, independent review of what happened, what institutions failed, uh, and how do we prevent that failure from occurring again. And have you been studying the PCORA hearings at all? Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Are, are they an inspiration? There's a, you know, there are some people who say, oh, we need another PCORA commission. Yes. This um, attempts to achieve the same thing that PCORA commission did. PCORA PCORA Commission was not uh, was made up of actual members of Congress, as I understand it. Um, this is not because we thought, look, members of Congress have got so much on their plate right now. I mean, we're trying to deal with this financial meltdown and try to try to lead to economic recovery. We've got major health care reform. All of these pressures, you know, whether it's reforming credit cards, all these things are in the here and now and future-oriented. But really, I don't think Congress has the time, the resources, to do the kind of forensic review of what happened in the past and focus like a laser on what went wrong and how to prevent it from happening again. Okay, we will be watching for that forensic review in 2010, huh, David? So uh, I'm putting it down in the Planet Money calendar right here. 2010 is not actually a good year for me. <laughs> you're, you're busy? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm going to be covering the uh, subprime housing crisis in Canada and the demise of the U.S. dollar. <laughs> we'll, we'll take over for you at Planet Money. All right. I think that does it for us today. Be sure to visit our blog, npr.org slash money, to read about the dumbest man at Goldman Sachs and how health care may be becoming more like your local McDonald's. I'm David Kestenbaum. And I'm Hannah Jaffe-Walt. Thanks for listening. 